0: What's up, everybody? Welcome into Pace the Nation. Back again, broadcasting from your nation's capital here in downtown DC. I'm your host, Chris Farley, back again with another exciting episode of Pace the Nation alongside me, my co host to my left. It's Julie Culley. Julie, what's up?
1: Hey, all. I have to say, I didn't mind listening to our last episode. <laughs> like, normally, I don't like Do you cringe hearing-, yeah, hearing yourself start cringing. Yeah. But in this new format, in this new studio, I was like, all right, well, this sounds pretty cool. It's the
0: fancy producing and the fancy editing. So much fanciness. It's so much fanciness that really helps out the uh, end product. And I hope everybody enjoyed the first episode in the new studio. You know, I always love to talk about how many episodes in we are. Is this episode two or is this episode 257? What do you say? Is I it- think
1: Docs would be mad if we just erased history here. <laughs> right. So I don't think we can so go with number two. We yeah. can go with number two of 2021.
0: That's true. Yep. So it is episode 257, number two on our new studios. We're thrilled to be back here at the Podville Media Studios in downtown Washington, D.C., Again, I have really no idea where we are. I think we're on M Street somewhere in D.C., outside of Georgetown, in Georgetown. Help me out, Julie.
1: Yeah, I think the hard part for all of our fans is going to be coming to grips with the fact that we're (laughs) no longer in the center of the universe. Right. Because we had been in Arlington, the center of the universe. We had. And now we might have to actually give credit to the center of... American yeah. life, the politics, nation's capital. the nation's yeah. capital. I,
0: I agree. And we're actually in a studio, whereas before you could walk by and see us. And so I think people will miss the sirens. Well, <laughs> Probably not <laughs> the door slams the door slams yeah the uh, next door the bell ringing next door yeah
1: um, I'm gonna really miss all the fans
0: smashing yeah, the windows <laughs> outside <laughs> pulling back the curtain here as I like to do we acted like we were like the today's show and everybody was like lined <laughs> up outside fans outside but really there weren't very many oh, and now stop. there's no opportunity there there's no opportunity there for were. yeah well we've got an exciting show and we're gonna get to talking to our guest here in just a minute but I feel like, you know, we like to talk about weather on this show. So the summer is upon us. The weather is starting to turn.
1: I would like to point out the fact that this is my favorite time of the year. Mm, Yes. Because I really enjoy the upcoming summer. Summer is my favorite season. I love the heat. Yep. I love the beach. I love the outdoors. So this kind of build up spring just gets me so excited. Whereas you are the opposite. You're Mm -hmm. like, oh, no. How's this going to affect my running? Yep. I'm going to be really hot. This is going to be really when hard. When am I
0: going to run? When am I going to run? I'm more in the Joanna Russo camp of liking the cooler weather. When am I going to run? I can't run at noon anymore. That's really tough for me to stomach. Yeah. The summer is here. So a lot of exciting traveling happening, I think, as we get towards this post-COVID era of things. And our next guest, she's going to be taking a road trip with Pacers. So our next guest is Sarah Attar. Sarah Tar is Saudi Arabia's first Olympic female runner. She is traveling from Washington, D.C. to L.A. across the country, taking stops all along the way, beautiful running spots, places that everybody would love to see and run. And she'll be taking pictures herself. We'll have a videographer, a photographer along with her. It's going to be a road trip of sorts, like a Ragnar Relay. And just like, you know, anybody who's run Ragnar Relay knows like, You're in a van and you're in with a bunch of smelly runners. And that's kind of be, I think, kind of be the vibe of what she's going to be doing.
1: Well, let's just make the point that they're not running across the country. No, they're not running across the country. This is a road trip.
0: Road trip, stopping around beautiful places. So we're going to talk to her about that. We're also going to talk to her about her experience in 2012 at the Olympics. And she also ran the 2016 Olympics for Saudi Arabia. So excited to be joined next by... Saudi Arabia's first Olympic female runner, Sarah Attar, joins us next here on Pace the Nation. All right, welcome back to the program. And now, Julie, we're excited to be joined via Zoom. It's Saudi Arabia's first Olympic female runner, Sarah Attar, joins us. Sarah, how are you?
2: Hi, I'm doing well. How are you guys doing?
0: We are doing great. Great to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. You're on the West Coast, so you kind of got up early for us. Where do you live in the West Coast?
2: I am down in Southern California in a little town called Valley Center. It's like North County, San Diego area.
0: Okay. I am geographically challenged. I am weather challenged as well. So I know there's parts of California that get really hot and there's great parts of California that like stay like beautiful temperature all year long. Do you fall into either of those categories?
2: It's definitely still has that like perfect Southern California weather, but I am a little more inland than like those picturesque coastal towns. So it does get on the warmer side. And I definitely find myself more drawn to like mountain climate. So sometimes it can feel a little little hot, (laughs) but it's pretty beautiful.
0: Awesome. Well, you're going to get a little of everything on this road trip we're going to talk to you about, which is really exciting. But before we do that, so as we were connecting with you, it looked like you were in an Airstream? Where do you and your husband live? What's going on?
2: Yeah, yeah. We kind of spent the last year and a half renovating a 1971 Airstream, and that was a really fun process. And we currently live in it on some family's property in this area. And it's been really fun to kind of build our space that way and have like a little tiny living situation.
0: Wow. And so that is where you live. Like you're not renting an apartment elsewhere while living in the Airstream.
2: Nope, we are in the airstream full time and really love it right now.
0: All right, so this road trip is going to be easy. She was really
1: like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, groundbreaking here. Everyone's been doing this since the pandemic,
2: right? Yeah, we actually pandemic. (laughs) Yeah, it turned out to be like the perfect pandemic project. Like we bought it the November prior, so November 2019. And then it we were working on it kind of through the pandemic. So while we were at home more, it was, ended up being like, oh, well, great. We have a big project to work on anyways. So it was pretty fun.
0: Awesome. Well, we're going to talk to you about other projects you're working on, a lot of photography. We love your stuff, at Sarah Attar on Instagram. Give her a follow. So Saudi Arabia's first Olympic female runner in 2012. What an amazing experience London was. For anybody who was there, talk about when you first thought about this opportunity to become this groundbreaking individual for Saudi Arabia.
2: It was actually pretty funny. It was never something I, like, thought about growing up or um, dreamt of even, like, years prior. So it was this kind of, like, last-minute thing that came together. So it really only came into my radar, like, a couple months before the opening ceremony. Which was a pretty crazy thing to like all of a sudden wrap my mind around. I remember when we first kind of got word that this was a possibility. You know, I was talking to my mom and I was like, wait, are they talking about like this Olympics? Like the one in <laughs> the one that's in a, a few months right from now, you know? So what happened was, the international olympic committee basically worked under this clause to invite participants to represent saudi to boost participation so myself and the other woman who went to london to represent saudi didn't qualify so that's how it was kind of like last minute whereas typically i would have you know had to been like qualifying and training and going through that whole process but since it was like this kind of last minute effort to make this happen it was really just kind of this like crazy thing that came up. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to the Olympics in a few months. I was just like a sophomore in college, like 19 years old, just kind of doing my thing, like walked on my college team just because I loved running. I had done my first marathon in, um, Big Sir, just a few months prior to this whole thing going down. And so it was just kind of like not in my reference. And then all of a sudden, like changed my life.
0: Wow, that's awesome. So do you have dual citizenship from yes. uh, y- mm-hmm. the U.S. and Saudi? Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. You're obviously a trailblazer. At 19 years old, did you have any context that that was what you were going to be?
2: You know, I think I knew it was going to be big, but there was no way to know exactly what was gonna happen, what it was gonna look like. And 19 years old, like, it's interesting being now almost like 10 years progressed. It's like, whoa, that was like very significant. And I did not know what was gonna come of that, but I did know it was gonna be big. And that was why it was kind of one of those things where I was like, this is what I'm doing. Like, I can't not do this, you know? It's really
1: amazing. Being given the opportunity is just so powerful. But I imagine at that time, not even really thinking about what some of the implications were or the weight that it may have had on yourself, your community, the world. I imagine at that moment you were like, what do I need to do? Tell me what I need to do. Let's do this. So walk us through that process. Like, did you understand at the time, you know, that you were going to have to be covered when you were racing, like when you agreed to that? Talk to us a little bit about, you know, maybe some of the politics that were involved there.
2: Yeah, I definitely knew kind of what I was walking into having dual citizenship and having family in Saudi and having grown up visiting my whole life. Like, I definitely understood what was coming with that, but there was still like no way to know exactly some of the criticism that was gonna come or just being in such a public eye for such a like controversial thing. I don't think there's any way to really like prepare for that. I just had to keep at it and rely on like the people around me and my family to help get through it. And like, it was crazy. Like when it wasn't first announced, we had like Time Magazine, just like all People Magazine, like all the like top names in media, calling our house, calling my high school coach, anyone they could track down. And I was just like, oh my gosh, okay, here we go. There's no turning back now. Like we're doing this.
0: So talk about, for our listeners who don't know, like talk about the culture in Saudi that doesn't really promote women in running or or sports.
2: What's cool is it's actually changed so much in the last like nine years since that appearance. But for example, there was this time that I was in Saudi like over the summer and I was trying to train for the fall season. And this was pre-London. And I had my dad, I was like, dad, I want to go for a run. Like, can we go find somewhere that I can run outside? Whereas, you know, in Saudi at the time, it wasn't even like typical culture for like men or women to be like just outside running kind of like it is here. Imagine it kind of Before, like the pre-running boom here, it just wasn't as much of the... It wasn't a thing. The thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, I want to train, like I had access to treadmills and stuff, but we wanted to go outside. So I kind of like dressed up kind of in like baggy clothes and more as a guy. And I was still kind of like harassed on the street a little bit. And luckily, my dad was driving with me on this run. And so we kind of like dealt with that and stopped the run. But then when I would do that later, I would like run in an Abaya and run covered and that seemed to go a little better. And then I think like after London, it just became more on people's radar that that's what people do. And there's like the Jetta Running Collective, which is this cool running group that's co-ed that started. And now they've like built walkways for men and women to like walk and run on. So it's just like to go from like that first experience to like see where it's at now. It's just like a whole different world.
1: When you actually were at the Olympics in London in 2012 and walked in the opening ceremonies and competed with your country's uniform on, what was that moment of pride like for you?
2: Yeah, the opening ceremony was really special. That was cool because we were so highlighted in it and it was significant because it was that first, here we go, like we're doing this and presenting what we're doing to the world. And then running in the stadium was, of course, like pretty significant too. I had a standing ovation of like 80,000 people when I was finishing my race. Yeah, it was, (laughs) you know, I was like running and I didn't qualify to run an Olympic 800. So I was significantly behind the competitors. But it was cool because that kind of allowed the solo time on the track for people to really like recognize and embrace the significance of what was happening. And I sometimes joke, like, I don't even really remember that last, 400 because it was just such an outer body experience of like the sound and the color and the noise and like i try and like picture running in that stadium again and it's almost hard to even place myself there because it was just so like different than anything i've ever experienced so it was just like those moments being in those big settings and being highlighted was cool because it just showed support well and it's also
1: big picture part of the Olympic movement, right? It's about progression and it's about the world coming together. And so there's so many moments inside the moments at the Olympics, but that is one incredible one. Congratulations. Yeah.
2: Thank you. And it was cool, too. It was actually the first they called London, I think, like the women's games, because not only was it the first year that Saudi sent women, but it was also the first year that all countries sent women athletes.
0: So tell us about what you wore. You mentioned kind of what you were wearing when you were running in Saudi Arabia. In the past, what did you wear at the Olympics?
2: My mom and I actually like figured out this outfit to wear. We weren't sure what they were going to provide for us, especially since they hadn't had female athletes before. You know, this was like new for everyone. So we just wanted to make sure I had something that we felt was going to like represent the movement and like what I was doing in a really powerful way. So I did cover with a hijab, like running covering that we found online. Like we picked up a green top that I think it was like Nordstrom's like in the Nike (laughs) section or something. You know, we were doing this like two weeks before leaving for London, but it came together well and I wanted to wear something that was going to like represent Saudi well and just be a powerful image. And it's cool. Like even this image of me running in London was even depicted as street art in Saudi. So that just goes to show you, it just became this like really iconic, powerful
0: image. Wow. That's awesome. Well, you ran 2012, but you couldn't get enough. So you went back to 2016. (laughs) And this time... You decided that you wanted to enjoy the experience even more, so you decided to run the marathon, which is a lot longer than your three minutes or two and a half minutes that you did in the 800. What was that experience like? Wait,
1: before you answer that question, are you also the first woman to ever run the 800 and the marathon
2: in the Olympics? (laughs) I believe I am the only person who has done that. (laughs) Two totally
1: different skill sets.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. My loophole was like being invited to the Olympics. That's a pretty unique experience alone, which is cool. So like coming back from London, I was still in college and so I finished college and ran on the team. And then after college, I still had two more years till Rio and I kind of had like a few opportunities coming up to like I wanted to work with a coach and I wanted to be like more prepared if I guess we knew the possibility of like a last minute invite was possible again. Or, you know, I was just like reflecting on London like, okay, I just want to be a little more prepared if this is what we're going to do again. So I sought out some coaches. I moved up to Mammoth Lakes to train with the Mammoth Track Club with Andrew Caster and Dina Caster, and that was like an incredible experience. I've like fallen madly in love with that place, and it was cool because they were more of a long distance team. You know, Dina has her American record in the marathon, like so. Yeah, so it was it's was just a cool group and a place with a lot of cool running history to take part in, and the marathon was like. I just like fell in love with distance. Like when I was in high school, I always told my coach, I'm like, I want to do the two mile. I never want to touch the 800. I'd actually only run the 800, raced it one time before running it in London. So that just showed how much I like was like, 800 mm, is not for me. I'm going to run like I just like running for a long amount of time. And so in college, even I like decided not to do track in the spring and I had trained for marathons. So like between like London and Rio, I ran nine Marathons. I ran Big Sur and then I qualified for Boston. Then three years in a row, I did the Boston to Big Sur two marathons in a week type of thing. I just love running. I love being out there. I love being out there for hours and hours. So going into Rio, I was like, okay, if I'm gonna be here, I wanna like do a race that speaks to me and feel more confident in what I'm doing. And so it was really cool to train with the Mammoth Track Club and work specifically with Andrew leading up to that race. And it was cool because he was there in Rio with me and I had teammates that I trained with in Mammoth who were also in Rio. So it kind of felt more, I don't know, I had a little more say in what I was doing and that felt really cool. And it was really important to me to return to Rio to show that London wasn't just like this fluke thing, you know, that women that we're going to like, we're going to participate and we're going to keep showing up. So that was really important to me. And we actually doubled our participation from two women in London to four women in Rio. So that felt, it was cool.
0: That's great. Saudi Arabia sounds like it's really progressed a lot since 2012. So you should really be proud of that. So moving on to your next chapter. So we're going to talk about the on the run summer trip you're taking with Pacers, which is really exciting, but running still obviously a huge part of your life. Amazing photography is part of your life as well. It's Sarah Attar on Instagram. Give her a follow. So what are you doing now?
2: I'm pursuing photography full time. And I kind of like fell in love with it while in Mammoth. Like I studied art in college and have always been like creative and even in college, like really loved photography and my like thesis project in college even combined like running and photography and like I kind of was always combining these two passions and so since I moved back to Southern California in 2019 and kind of like was switching gears and trying to figure out like what am i doing what do i want to be doing and i've i did some stuff as a nutritional therapy practitioner i worked on a farm all last year like just kind of all over the board and just kind of like doing things that i loved like touching the earth very like nurturing stuff and then kind of like last fall and through the beginning of this year something like shifted in me and i was like you know I love photography and I want this to be my thing and Mammoth was a really special place where I like really developed my like style I guess and found what I like loved and up there it was like a lot of landscape stuff that I was documenting and had some opportunities to share my work in that way. And now lately I'm kind of like shifting into like documenting landscapes but also documenting like what I do out in the mountains. Like I love going climbing and mountaineering and just being way out there on the trails and backpacking. And I love documenting and sharing that. So I'm just kind of like finding my place in photography and how I wanna pursue that professionally, but trusting my vision and my aesthetic and my eye, I guess, like I have a lot of confidence in what I'm able to capture and share and wanna share that with people. I'm finding a lot of ways to still combine running and photography, which is really special and I think gives me a cool perspective because I get the nitty gritty parts of running and those like little moments that should be captured. So I'm finding ways to connect those two passions and it's been really fun.
0: I'm looking at just your Instagram pictures. Where are these mostly? I want to go wherever you're going. Is this mostly in California?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Most of it is the Eastern Sierra. So kind of mammoth, lone pine, recent stuff is from Mount Whitney. We just went up last weekend up the Mountaineers route. So it's like alpine, like winter conditions. I went to Death Valley for the first time recently. So there are some of those photos, but really that stretch of like the Eastern Sierra is like, where my heart is for like documenting things. Yeah, so most of that comes from that area. And then some of those images too, you'll see they are from the Wonderland Trail up in Washington. It circumnavigates Mount Rainier. And I had an opportunity to be on that trip and document it with a group called Aspire Adventure Running. But that was a really special experience and pretty gnarly. I ran the most mileage I ever ran in three days (laughs) on that trail. How many miles was that? It's like a 97-mile trail. So did
0: you do 97 miles?
2: I ended up stopping at like six miles early because we had like a final little checkpoint and I think I was like under trained for an undertaking like this <laughs> and so I was like pretty beat up so and 90 was, miles <laughs> yeah 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 so I was like okay 90 but yeah. now I'm like definitely want to go up there and finish those last like five six miles so when Pacers comes calling
1: <laughs> and says to you hey do you want to go on a road trip and take pictures? I mean, how did this conversation go? Good like, question. We need to, I'm not even sure to, I know. We need to talk about, like, what this adventure is going to look like, but it seems crazy.
0: Yeah. I don't even know who connected with you. Yeah. How did that all come to fruition?
2: So it's fun. I have these two friends who I trained with up in Mammoth at one point. They've done work with Ryan of Runhouse, who kind of, like, put out a call on Instagram for, like, potential people to do this road trip and so my friend from mammoth he like sent me a screenshot of the posting and was like you'd be perfect for this and you know i read i'm like whoa cross-country road trip that sounds like crazy who knows if that'll like fit in my schedule we'll see and so i like followed up with ryan you know my friend made an email intro and ryan sent like an overview and what it entailed and kind of who they're looking for and like As I read it and after I talked to him, it was just kind of like, whoa, I think I'm like, need to do this. (laughs) It was just kind of one of those things that made a lot of sense. I felt like I was the perfect fit, I guess, for what it entailed, you know, a creative minded runner. It fit in my schedule. And, you know, I've never done a cross country road trip. I've seen various parts of the country, but I've never connected at all. And so it was just this really cool opportunity at a time where there's like a lot of expansion in what I'm doing and what I've been able to document. So it just felt really good. Does anybody actually know
0: what this road trip entails? I I think, I think so. Sarah, have you been given an itinerary yet? Let me take a crack. Let me take a crack at it. So you reference Ryan Callahan. He is now the brand director for Pacers Running. So the idea that we had talked about with Kathy, Ryan and I is that we find a subject, we were basically describing Sarah Tar, So I, I can't believe she came <laughs> to fruition. So she's going to be on this road trip, be the subject of a lot of the video shoots and photography that we are going to take along the way. We're going to go from D.C. And I'm not going, unfortunately. I'm going to be home with you and the kids. But So basically, D.C., Chicago, Denver, Boulder, L.A. will be sort of the trip itinerary. A lot of stops along the way. But blogging, documenting the trip and kind of telling it from Sarah's perspective, hopefully a ton of pictures from Sarah. Is that sort of sum it up as far as you know as well? That seems to
2: sum it up from what I know. I'm definitely excited about documenting it. And it's kind of like a dream to be able to do a trip, have these like stops along the way, be running, meets photography, meets storytelling again in my life. So it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And they'll be in a car. I think I mentioned this in the intro. Like a compact
2: car or like an SUV. (laughs) Like like an SUV.
0: I'm thinking Ragnar Relay style where everybody is I mean you guys will actually stay You you, make
1: me nervous about this Ragnar Relay reference, I (laughs) think. Sarah's gonna be running alongside the car on Route sixty six or something. No,
0: no, not like that. No, you're right. No, (laughs) they're gonna be stopping along the way. But I'm thinking Ragnar Relay in terms of like a bunch of smelly runners getting together and documenting it. So Um She lives in an airstream. I think she's up for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, very fitting. So where does this content go?
0: So, yeah, the content will be on runpacers.com and various other platforms. It'll be on our Instagram. It'll be on Sarah's Instagram. And we'll see. We think that there's opportunities for this to be shared through a lot of our vendor partners and a lot of really cool places. So when you're listening to the show, go to runpacers.com and there'll be directions on where to find all the stuff that Sarah is seeing.
1: I'm super curious about the inspiration for this. So why? Why are we doing this?
0: Well, really, and, you know, Sarah can speak to this, too. I think at this point, like everybody's ready to get out. We've all been cooped up for a year in this post-COVID world. Hopefully, as we get towards this post-COVID world, a road trip sounds awesome. Would you agree, Sarah?
2: Hmm. I think it's been really fun to, like, explore via car camping and just car travel and embrace the home like in your backyard and i guess the road trip is kind of like the extended backyard right but we just can drive and hit all these spots and i think that's a really cool way to connect with the whole country in a way after a year like last year yep. and sarah's
1: been in a parked airstream <laughs> for a significant period <laughs> right. of time she's ready to get <laughs> that space moving that's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and is there a particular spot that you're looking forward to the most that you haven't seen? Looks like you've seen beautiful places. Is there a particular space that you wanna see?
2: I saw that we have a spot in South Dakota on our itinerary and I've never been to South Dakota and it looks like it's near like Badlands National Park. Never been there. I've heard about it, it sounds amazing. And I had someone even message me one time I think they were from South Dakota and they said that my images really reminded them of South Dakota. So I think that kind of stuck in my mind in some way. I'm like, okay, like there's something about this place maybe that I'll have a good time documenting.
0: Well, it's going to be an awesome trip, Sarah. There's going to be a lot of unexpected things happening. I can't wait for you to document it all. And I really appreciate you doing that, sharing your story. And I appreciate you coming on Pace the Nation.
2: Yeah, thank you guys. It's been really fun to share a bit and I look forward to documenting this trip and seeing what comes on our way.
0: That's going to be awesome. It's Sarah Attar. You can find her on Instagram. It's at Sarah Attar. She was Saudi Arabia's first Olympic female runner. She's going to be taking a trip with Pacers on the run summer trip. So stay tuned for all that. Thanks again, Sarah. Great stuff. Thank you. All right, there she goes. Sarah Attar joined us on Pace Nation. We're going to take a quick break and be right back after this. All right, welcome back to the program. And thanks again to today's guest, Sarah Attar, for joining us today on Pace the Nation. She is at Sarah Attar on Instagram. You'll be able to see all the content on runpacers.com, but follow her on Instagram as well. She'll have some other content that may not be on runpacers.com that you'll want to see. So give her a follow. Of course, it's runpacers.com, it's at runpacers on Instagram and Twitter, and of course, at Pace the Nation on Twitter. So Awesome interview, really cool insights hearing her talk about the London Olympics, some of the groundbreaking stuff she did for Saudi Arabia. Really, really cool.
1: You know, what's really amazing about her story is this is a young woman. She's 19 years old Yep. and her dream is to be on her college team, right. to be the best runner on her college team. And maybe start to think about an Olympic opportunity. You know, for her as a 19 year old, what an amazing, amazing moment. But when we think big picture about running, we think about the ways it brings people together. And, you know, we think about the Olympics and how it brings people together. And this is a moment where you see a young woman who's also, you know, this becomes a political statement. Right. And we really, big picture, are acknowledging and seeing that people's bodies and people's. Identity and race and religion really do become political statements in these moments. And for her, like how powerful it was to really look back and say, wow, you know, I can't believe what that actually ended up becoming. And then the aftermath of that, which is that she's seen change and progress in Saudi Arabia. Such a
0: difference between 2012 and now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think she's proud of that, that she's seen that progress. And the impact, I mean, she said there was a mural of her. In Saudi Arabia, very cool. So I'm sure we can find pictures of that on the internet. And when we do, we'll tweet them out at Pace the Nation. All right, this podcast, of course, is sponsored by Pacers Running. Pacers Running with seven area DC locations. Pacers Running is for every run. Come and check out our website, our new and improved website, Julie, runpacers.com. And you know, one of the big improvements is going to be the content that we have, including the journal that Sarah Attara is going to share with us on her road trip. We're calling it the On the Run Summer Trip. Sarah will be sharing her story, so you'll find all the details about today's guests on runpacers.com. All right, great show. Again, thanks to everybody here at the Podville Media Studios here in Washington, D.C. Our producer Rob Behind the Glass did a great job. Thanks to Brittany and Oscar, as always, Maddie, for helping out. And of course, I want to thank our guest, Sarah Attar, today. Again, one more time, it's at Sarah Attar on Instagram. All right, for Julie Cully, I'm Chris Farley. This has been Pace the Nation. We'll see you soon.